Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Um, just a few, a little while ago, James uh, preached on the five prophetic shifts from distant to intimate, hearers to doers, copycat to innovate, attenders to disciples. There's a midgy that's flying around, so attenders to the disciples and attractional to missional. And I just want to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan in relation to being missional in our own personal lives. And um, it's amazing when we look at the parables of Jesus that he uses such um, simple methods to answer the questions that um, people who consider themselves religious experts ask. And I think there's a warning in to us to always, not always try and look for the deeper meaning in scripture. Uh, but also just to simply consider the scripture in its application to our lives. And whenever I look at scripture, I like to understand the people that Jesus is talking about and also um, uh, about, you know, people in the stories that he tells, the characters. And um, even though this is a well-known story, there's always something to glean from it. So the most important, important commandment in Luke Luke 10 says this, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? That's a good question. How do you read it? When we look at scripture and the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And um, verse 29 tells us that the man wanted to justify his actions, and from his question, who is my neighbor, I can only assume that the action he wanted to justify was the way he loved his neighbors and who he loved. So let's go to the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. So Jesus replied with a story. So here goes Jesus, he takes something simple and he, and he answers simply. And he says, Jesus replied with a story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over the other side of the road and passed by. And a Levite, which is basically a temple assistant, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, taking care of this man, take care of this man. And if this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these 
would you say was the neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, "Now, yes, now you go and do the same. It was a pretty you know, straightforward um, story. But there are three characters in the story. That's the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. So who was the priest? In those days, the priest was a qualified person from within the tribe of, of the Levites. And in other words, he was the leader of the temple, a church leader, pastor, if you want to put it in today's terms, for an elder. And the Levite performed the basic tasks at the temple for worship. In today's terms, he was a church worker. So he worked in the church where the volunteers were the paid, it didn't say. And the third man was the Samaritan. He was despised by all the Jews, and actually the Jews considered them pagans. And each of these three came across the same situation, the same person, and I just want to look at the way that they responded because there's a message in each one of their lives for us. So if we look at the priests, priests or leaders in those days are qualified people in Christianity and often have a sound knowledge of the Bible in the ways of the spirit, they normally have ministries, they have, um, you know, people look up to them, they honour them. And, you know, sometimes we think to ourselves, man, I want to be like that. I I have a ministry in that type of, you know, apostolic, prophetic, or whatever. Um, there's a ministry that's, that's huge and I want to be involved in that. And I want to become more sound in my biblical knowledge and there's nothing wrong with that. And I want to study more how to be a better minister. And so we have all these meetings, but in the and we and we want to upskill ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in the greater in the pursuit of greater spirituality or Bible knowledge, we can often find ourselves isolated from the real world and from the suffering of others. Remember the, the parable Jesus told was an answer to the question: Who is my neighbor? And being involved in the Christian world is exciting, but often when we isolate ourselves, we only have Christian friends, go to Christian meetings, you know, have Christian neighbours, uh, Christian colleagues, and we can live in a very, very isolated world. It's like living a world within a world. And my question to you today is how many non-believing family, friends, neighbours or organisations do we interact with? That's a good question to ask ourselves. Um, and the parable says that the priest saw the badly beaten man lying there and he made a decision and intentionally crossed the road to avoid having to help and avoid being involved in the situation. And, um, you know, some of the time we don't have to go so that we can, you know, take our, our, our belt, so people say, and put a notch in it, say, I got you know, four saved this week, 10 saved last week. It's not that. It's influencing and being salt. When you are salt, you sprinkle a little bit on the food and it brings out all the taste in the food. And so it's not a matter of, of you know, uh, having to go out and having to come back and testify to the fact that somebody got saved. It's actually intentionally going where they are. Um, going where the people are. 
So what about the Levites? You know, busyness doing the Lord's work is a characteristic found in many of us believers. We become so busy in doing God's work that we can miss the people right in front of us who need our time. And I'm talking about family members. I'm talking about even people who live in the same house as us. We can be going out to meetings, out to meetings. And I remember when James and I were young ministers, um, our kids forever had babysitters because we were always out doing stuff for somebody or preaching at meetings or running meetings, you know. And I um, I always say to um, young mums who are in the ministry now, they can learn from our mistakes. And so, you know, the other thing is that most people now, they work on Saturdays. So Sunday is the only time they've got off. And we, um, it's the only time we have, may have to catch up with extended family, you know, our kids and our grandkids or our friends, or even be involved in the community. They have a lot of gatherings in the community or in groups on Sundays. And so part of the reason for Faith Point transitioning to house churches is to free up more time on the weekend to be with family and friends and be salt and light in conversation amongst unchurched people. You know, there's that phrase, how can they be us if they don't see us? How can they be Christians if they don't hear the, hear the message of the gospel? Now, how can they, and that's a scripture in the Bible, you know, how, how can they know unless somebody tells them? And so we didn't go... Um, we didn't go to house churching just because of um, COVID and, and what it meant, you know, lockdowns and stuff. But it was also, James and I began to see that there is more opportunity for us to speak to our kids and speak to our uh, extended family when we have don't have to go to church on Sunday, but we can go and find these groups of people. Um, and once again, the parable says that the Levites saw the man and made a decision to cross the roads so he could too avoid having to help and be involved in the messy situation. And, um, you know, we're coming to the end of that, the age at the moment, and we all know this, we all sense that in our spirit. And now we have time to go out and be a part of the world around us. And, um, you know, things like it's quite simple. If you want to do something where, it's, where there's a lot of people there, there's nothing wrong with going out and joining clubs, you know, like sports clubs, like bowls. If, if you find golf is too much, there's so many things that our work colleagues do and people, are, um, people that we know do um, on the weekends that we could be a part of it, even if it's the barbecuing, a roll-on summer, I reckon and spending time with our family. Do you know, we don't have to go in hard with the gospel. Are you saved? Do you, you know, are you covered by the blood of Jesus? That sort of stuff. Without, they'll be thinking you're crazy. But it's just been able to bring salt to the, the conversations that we're having. People are having so much hard times now through anxiety and depression. We have actually got the answer to be able to speak into their lives. And I wonder how often we have seen situations that we could help with and chose to cross the other side, choose to cross the other side of the road rather than going for it. And we look at the Samaritan. Now, this is the guy, the Samaritan. Um, in the community at the moment, 
are individuals and organizations that aren't Christian, that are willing to get totally involved with helping people to recover physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And um, I've often said to James, we're meant to be the head and not the tail, but we often can find ourselves falling behind when we look at innovative ways to care for the community, and that's all a part of the five shifts that was going from copycat to innovative. And now is the chance. We have the chance now to become innovative and to care for our communities in ways that nobody, that we've always thought about, but we've never had the time to do, but now is the time. So anyway, the parable said that he saw the man, took pity on him. He actually got emotionally involved. And we know that whenever we become a part of something, um, it's not a matter of just running something or, or being a part of something. You actually are emotionally involved. Um, when I started the food bank in our um, area and then now in Huapai, I started it as, as something, as an answer to people who couldn't find food. And then the more I got involved in it, the more I realised how my heart was actually involved as much as I was. And so a lot of the decisions that I began to make were decisions that came from my heart, things like a don't talk to people, don't talk down to them when they can't, when they ask you for a, a parcel. So I began to train the people on the phones to not talk to a person like they're poor, but like they need a, a hand up. And, um, you know, your heart gets so involved in these things. And then you see things like you go to the house and these kids and you think, I know people who could help these people get clothing, you know, get help for their kids, help with their um, stationery, help with, and all of these things. Um, and so I find myself more and more that it's not just the thing, but my heart is emotionally involved. And it also says he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, put, on, put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn. He took responsibility to be involved. And he used the skills and he used the resources he had to help out. He bandaged the wounds. I reckon he wasn't a doctor. I don't think he was a nurse or anything, but I think that's a skill he had. He obviously knew how to take care of um, things like uh, bruises and, and cuts and wounds like that. And he used his own resources. He poured on the oil and wine, and that was probably an expense to him, and put him on his own donkey. Well, that's like putting him in your own car. And then took him. That was his time. His time resource was also involved. And often we can see things that need to be done in our community. We do our duty, or else we throw some money at it, or um, otherwise we, you know, we just... We're not that involved with it. We don't use what is ours, our own resources, to help a situation. It's quite easy to stand off, you know, and um, we used to, uh, I think it was, I think it was um, vision, a world vision that we used to take care of, you know, how you put money on things, on, on helping children in their lives. But we really had nothing else to do with them. And so we stopped that and we started putting our own resources into the food bank and families that we came across. And then it says, and he paid for the man's keep and said he would pay more when he came back. And the Samaritan didn't just leave him once he'd, you know, bandaged him up and put him on his donkey and stuck him in the inn. And 
he didn't do that. He just didn't leave him there, but he went back again. And that is the heart of discipling, is to go back. That's the heart of caring, is when you return to uh, where, where, the, where the crime took place, if you want to call it that, or where the person has been, and then just to inquire and see how they are and see how, what else they might need to help them, help them with whatever they're doing or with, you know, you think of that in terms of spirituality. It's easy to lead a person to Christ, but it's the discipleship. That's the thing, the carry on after that, the phone calls, perhaps the visit. You know, sometimes it's talking them through something or talking them down if they are suicidal. Some it's just getting very, very involved in what's happening next, and not it's not just a once and then it's over. It has to be us with a caring heart and our own resources and being able to go back to that person that needs that and help them disciple them through to the next stage. So who then is our neighbor? He's anyone the Lord places in front of us that has a need. That's who he is. But how willing are we to love our neighbors as Jesus did, like this parable is indicating to us? My encouragement to us is to be like the Samaritan, be emotionally involved and um, be resourcefully involved and then to disciple that person. Anybody we come across, try and form a relationship with them. Let's not be like the priest and the Levite, where we're worried so much about our spirituality, about our, you know, the things that we do in our Christian walk, that we forget that there's a dying world out there. So we're going to um, go to our questions as we go into our um, groups. And these are the questions. questions. What struck you the most in this parable? Can you share a time you crossed the road to ward or away from the situation, and I've got to tell you, I've got a lot of uh, more more stories about walking away than walking toward. And number three, what non-Christian organisations or family gatherings or friendship conversations are you currently having? Mm -hmm.